Insurance and Injury Law Show. Savan here again to answer your uh, your uh, your emails, your questions throughout the hour. The week that was is first. In the meantime, the number is 416-216-5910. You want to toss us an email during the show, very simple, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to that. And the uh, the tool, the tool we always talk about each and every week. I'll let you tee up that one in just a bit, the injury calculator. First, so as mentioned, the week that was, you got a bunch of cases, yeah? We do. As usual, okay. John, it's been a very busy week. Uh, I get a lot of people calling me, emailing me using uh, the website mydisabilityquestions.com to ask uh, questions for free and get Mm -hmm. answers from me within minutes. Uh, But let's start off with a few interesting uh, cases that came across my desk. So this is an individual from Kingston, Ontario. Uh, This lady went on EI sick benefits in February due to a back injury, uh, which she said happened at work. She applied for LTD for long-term disability, but they denied her claim. Uh, saying that she didn't do anything while she was off on short-term disability to help her injury. Right. Her doctor is stating that she can't do any work, uh, uh, but you know the problem is that he can't really recommend anything much for her back. It's a chronic condition. Uh, the, the MRI is not showing enough uh, damage to her back to explain the pain, so we have a situation where we don't necessarily know what the cause is of the pain and immobility. Uh, she had also applied for workers' comp yep. because this happened uh, apparently uh, at the time of work. Uh, but they denied her. They said, no, you have a degenerative condition. So you see how you have people, unfortunately, who are being tossed around. You know, people are saying, uh, the LTD insurer is saying, no, we're not going to pay you because of this. Workers' comp saying, we're not going to pay you because of that. Of course, the employer is putting a squeeze on saying, you got to perform your job. Um, we will, we will not accommodate, etc. So, of course, she's asking me, you know, what can I do here? She's 50 years old, and she's literally caught between a whole bunch of rocks and hard places. places. Yeah. So let's dissect this, uh, this issue, uh, this case, because this, is, this has a few lessons for people to learn uh, and to understand. So number one, she says that the LTD insurer denied her claim, stating that she did not do anything while she was off on shortened disability to help her injury. So here we're dealing with the mitigation issue. What does that mean? Right? We talked about that before. It means that if you are injured or disabled, if you're applying for long-term disability, you have an obligation to follow treatment recommendations of your doctors, treatment practitioners, whoever it is you're going to. Okay? It's key. It's absolutely key. If we see, if I see a claim and I see an individual that's been going to a psychotherapist or a psychologist or an orthopedic surgeon, whoever it is, and they're saying you got to do X, Y, and Z, and you do none of that, and it's recorded as though you haven't done that, the insurance company is going to use that against you. Now, that's very different than a situation where someone says, you know what, that treatment, it's not for me. That medication, it's not for me. I know it's not for me. It's making me drowsy. It's making me feel bad, uh, whatever, whatever the reason whatever is. Side effect, so you, yeah. it, that means that you have to go to that same practitioner who recommended the treatment and ask for alternative treatments. There are mm-hmm. always alternative medications and, and different ways of treating a problem. But that's something that I, I can tell you, John, it is not something that I often see, this, idea, this, uh, this problem with mitigation when the insurance company denies on that basis. And the reason because, uh, you know, most people who are in that situation, they do actually follow recommendations. They try to get better. So this is something we're going to look into. I guarantee you uh, that even without looking at the claim, just by virtue of the fact that her own doctor says, no, no, she is disabled, but you know, we don't really have a lot that we can offer her. I can tell you that she's probably one, not one of those people who simply opts to just stay at home and do nothing. She probably did look uh, for, for uh, anything that could be helping her to get back to work to get better. Uh, the second issue is 
and this is mentioned here as well, the MRI, so apparently she went through an MRI of her back, it's not showing enough damage to her back to explain the pain and immobility. And we've gone through this before as well, where insurance companies will say, you know, we're denying your claim because we don't believe you. We don't see physical proof. We don't see physical proof. Or perhaps, you know what, we don't think it's as bad as you say that it is. Uh, and, and, you know, how many of us have had back pains or headaches, you know, things like that, things that would never show up on an ultrasound, course, an x-ray. it's killing you. It's killing. Exactly. Exactly. Not everything is, is you know, has, has a, um, a, a root cause that we can see, like a broken bone or a torn tendon. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with that kind of a situation? Well, that's why it's important for you as the disabled individual to continue going to the doctor or to the treatment providers so that it looks from a documentary standpoint, like you are continuing to deal with the issue. If you are coming to me telling me you're disabled or you're injured in a car accident and you're saying, I can't go back to work, but for a full year you haven't seen anyone, you haven't gone to any clinics, you haven't gone to doctors, and all you're telling me is, yeah, I've learned to live with the pain, I get that. I understand that. I'm one of those people too. I don't go to the doctor for an... If you check my medical file you would see a yearly physical and pretty much that's it. I know, I know. Because I I don't go to the doctor for every little thing. But that actually ends up working against you if you have a disability case or if you have an injury case. Okay. Now, I'm not saying go to the doctor for no reason. I'm saying go to the doctor for periodic updates uh, to ask what else can be done uh, and and just to work with, with whoever's treating you to make sure that you're doing absolutely everything in your power to get back on the horse, to get yourself better so you can go back to work. Will that generally get the will that generally get the insurance and your workplace and everybody to leave you alone at that point? No, it's not going to get them to leave you alone. It's just going to make it very difficult for them to argue that you're not doing anything, right? right? Keep in mind, their their goal, the insurance company's goal is to save money, not to pay you. And they look for every way that they can do that. They're supposed to be a safety net. That's what insurance is. Insurance is a safety net. It's peace of mind. You are bu- when you have insurance, whether it's car insurance, home insurance, travel insurance, what are you buying? You are buying peace of mind. Their job, clearly, is to make money, to make profit. Yep. And the way they do that is by minimizing the amount of claims they have to pay. So by you not doing the things I'm saying, meaning not going to the doctor regularly, not following recommendations, not doing everything in your power to get better, you're giving them ammunition. What's happened with this lady here, and I think we can help her, it's not going to be a difficult case to resolve if her doctor supports her ongoing disability. I'm not worried that the MRI is not showing anything in her back. I'm not worried when they're saying that uh, uh, she hasn't tried to do anything when she was on shortened disability because clearly her doctor is supporting her ongoing disability. So, of course, I'm going to have to communicate with the doctor, but I will take over the claim. I will deal with the adjuster. Let the adjuster tell me to my face that this individual, this lady who's now 50 years old, who's worked for a long time, is not entitled to disability payments. It's not, they're not going to be able to, it's, their arguments are not going to hold water. They're going to lose, they're going to pay compensation. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're just getting warmed up. Lots more of the week that was coming up. And a whole bunch of stuff on the show this hour, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Anytime you need to get a hold of Savannah, that is the number. There's also email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the week that was, continue on with that, and we'll give you some details on the injury calculator as well. A very cool tool. If you've never checked it out, some details, uh, details to follow. Right. Uh, John, uh, by the way, just uh, picking up on the last case we talked about, that lady's from Kingston. I just want to make it clear that we actually help these uh, individuals, disabled people and injured individuals across the province. 
this is not limited to you having to come to my office, wherever that office is. Okay, very important. Uh, I was just speaking last week with a couple from, from Thunder Bay. Yep. I mean, literally everywhere. So let's move on to the next case. Uh, this lady, again, it's a disability case. Uh, we seem to be getting a lot of these uh, lately. This lady uh, was cut off in July, this past July, due to, quote-unquote, lack of medical information right. or support for her disability. Now, she was on LTD for almost a year due to a pulmonary aneurysm in her chest. Sounds pretty ominous, pretty right? right? It, it does to me. She has problems breathing and constant chest pain. Uh, she, she works as a service support rep uh, at, at a fairly large company. It requires a lot of heavy lifting, which she's obviously not able to do. Her employer has been pressuring her to go back to work, but because of the medications, she's not able to function. Her family doctor has submitted the required medical documentation, but the insurance company has yet to respond. She's 40 years old, and uh, she's earning uh, just over uh, almost $1,300 biweekly. So, John, let's analyze the case. She's been on LTD for a year, so clearly they accepted that she was disabled. I mean, this is pretty serious, a pulmonary aneurysm. She's having all these difficulties, chest pain, etc. Her doctor is supporting her. You know, she's, she's cut off. She's be, she was cut off in July by the insurer. Why was she cut off? They're saying that there was a lack of medical information or support. And I see this time and time again. People will call me and they'll say, I don't know what the insurance company is asking. For God's sakes, I've given them absolutely everything. My, my, my psychiatrist wrote to them. My chronic pain specialist wrote to them. Uh, you know, sometimes these specialists even end up speaking directly with the adjusters. And yet the insurance company, the adjuster comes back and says, nope, we don't have enough medical support. Are they buying time? They're buying time. That's number one. Number two, keep in mind, again, there is a war of attrition here. I mean, you're dealing with a disabled person. You're dealing with someone who, let's just say that he's being pressured by her workplace, uh, being pressured by the insurance company. I'm sure she's got a ton of other pressures at home, uh, whether it's from bills or from kids or, or whatever else. So you're essentially having insurance companies picking on literally the most vulnerable people mm-hmm. in society. Yep. Okay. People who are disabled, who are struggling with an illness or an injury, trying to get back on their feet. And you're saying, nope, that's just not enough. And, and these people, you know, that when they come to me, some of them come to me crying. I mean, we have these meetings and you sense this relief that they have when they understand that I'm going to be the one who's going to be communicating with the insurance company. So that when the insurance company, when the adjuster calls or emails, I'm the one dealing with them. So let's, let's deal specifically with this case. So they're saying there's not enough medical information. I would want to know in this case, what exactly was provided to the insurance company? Because really all you have to provide to them are updated records from your treating practitioners, whether it's doctors or psychotherapists or whoever it is. I often say to my, to tell my clients, if we can get updated reports, you know, from last week, a week before, perhaps this week, let me communicate with the specialist. Let me ask the specialist or the doctor, you know, can you please explain to me why your patient is unable to work? I don't want a one-liner saying they can't work. I'd like rationales, reasons, some details, exactly. Now, that's not to say that they have to tell me here's exactly why. I've dealt with a lot of cases, we talked about that, where we don't know necessarily what the cause of the issue is, right? We don't know why everything happens, and we just know that things happen, and we know there are limitations and impairments that arise as a result of certain illnesses. But not everything is diagnosable. But it's really key here to make sure that uh, the, the right questions are asked of the treatment providers. And by the way, I've, I've um, taken over cases 
where people have been handling them on their own, have been, you know, appealing decisions. And you know what I think of appeals. Yeah, nothing. Exactly. You don't get anywhere. Where they've appealed decisions and they literally think, listen, I've given this adjuster everything. What do they want? And they come to me and you know what? It was this one question that wasn't asked properly of the treatment provider. Not that the treatment provider didn't want to provide the answer. It's just that they didn't understand what the adjuster was asking. So you do have these miscommunications happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I always say, I mean, I, I always, you know, come down pretty hard uh, on insurance companies, but oftentimes, you know, when we are dealing with the insurance company, we're dealing, uh, I'm dealing with them for one of two reasons, either because they're not doing their job or my client doesn't understand what the insurance company wants from them. And so this idea of insufficient medical documentation, when your doctors are telling you, no, you are disabled, clearly there is either a communication error between uh, the the doctors and the insurance company or the insurance company is, is completely turning a blind eye to, to the reality of the situation. So whichever way it is, we can remedy that and fairly quickly. Which is why you don't want to do it on your own, never. No, you because don't want to do it you don't understand the lingo. Yeah, I mean, listen, initially when you're applying, you know, when you're submitting the documents, everything is going well. You don't need us for that. That's not a problem. Right. But, you know, as soon as you get this gut sense, like something is about to happen, they want me to see, you know, one of their doctors or, you know, they're starting to question whether or not, in fact, I am really as disabled as I say I am. These kinds of of red flags, when they come up, you got to contact us. You got to call me. You got to email me. You got to go on mydisabilityquestions.com and ask your question just so you have peace of mind. The number 416-216-5910 and that email that uh, Savannah just mentioned was help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more to go. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's on Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number anytime to get a hold of Savan is uh, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Anytime you're on your computer, you can check out mydisabilityquestions.com as well. And uh, we'll get to another tool called the Injury Calculator in uh, just a few moments here. You've got another case in the week that was, though, to wrap it That's up. That's right. So this gentleman called me. He was on Shrumpton Disability for severe depression and anxiety since, uh, since May of this year. He was cut off on July 31st. Uh, his insurance company has been requesting more medical documentation, mm-hmm. which in brackets I have here, he's been, provided, uh, he's been providing every month. He appealed the decision, which was, fill in the blank, John? Denied. Denied, yes. Uh, <laughs> and he has not received any income since July 31st. Now the insurance company is trying to force him back to work on reduced hours. And his doctor has advised him that he's not ready to return. What do you do in that situation? Of course, that's, that's the question. What do you do? You don't go back to work. Right. So you don't go back to work, but then, you know, the issue is, well, how do I get income in? And that's a problem. That's a problem. But, you know, the reality is this. If you go back to work against medical advice, two things are going to happen potentially. Number one, first of all, you're proving to the insurance company that, in fact, you're able to work right. because you've gone back. But number two, and this is really a lot more important, um, and, you know, even though I'm not a doctor, I'll, I'll say this because it's common sense. If you are going back to work against medical advice, you're potentially jeopardize, jeopardizing your health. You're sure. making things worse. Uh, and, and in yep. fact, you're making them worse to the point where you may be unable to get better down the road. I've had that happen before where someone went against medical advice and the damage that was done to that person's body because they went back to work against medical advice, against several doctors' advice that person ended up uh, with severe permanent uh, impairments. Uh, So, you know, very, very important to understand that the fact that the insurance company is, quote-unquote, forcing you, they're not forcing you, they're simply telling you, we're not going to pay you. Now, I'm not diminishing the significance of that. I'm not saying, you know, well, you know, just don't go back to work and starve. 
clearly people have to make a living. What I'm saying is that if you go back to work against medical advice, number one, you've just made the insurance case for them, and number two, you're putting your own health in jeopardy. So what do you do? Well, you have to look at other sources, whether it's friends who can loan you. I mean, there are loan companies. I've dealt with them before. I mean, the percentages are just through the roof. Of course. I don't recommend that. It's, it's a last resort, but you have to find a way to survive this. The good thing, and th- this is where you know the, the good news uh, uh, is, uh, silver lining here is that these claims are often not that difficult to resolve. So oftentimes we can resolve them within a few months. I know it's a long time. People are going to say, well, how am I going to survive until then? Right. Yeah, but what's the alternative? The alternative is for you to go back to work and kill yourself, right? I mean, just it, it makes no sense. So... Something very, very important for people to understand, if the insurance company is, quote-unquote, forcing you to go back, they're using pressure tactics, which is quite common, because they know you need money. Mm-hmm. If you do go back, you may jeopardize your claim. So just understand that. You may jeopardize your claim, and even if you have to go uh, back on disability afterwards, they're going to point to that period of time when you try to go back, and they're going to say, you know what? You were able to go back. You know, how come you took more time off now? Of course, we can spin that and say, no, you try to mitigate. You try to get back on exactly. the horse. But my point is, be very, very careful. Uh, and if you're able to, you know, allow us to fight for you and just give us some breathing room to fight, th- we will force them to pay you the compensation you're owed. 416-216-5910 is that number. you want to call them any time. Uh, injury calculator, tell me about it. That's a, that's a fantastic tool. And, uh, you know, John, I've been getting a lot of submissions on it. And what it is, is it's a free online website that we created uh, a long time ago, actually, my team and I, we, we, we basically went through the databases, the legal databases of cases across Canada for injuries. And we try to figure out if we can put together a chart, something that could give people an idea of how much money they can expect to get. What are they right. owed under the law for a certain type of an injury? And again, keep in mind, every case is different, right? I mean, if you ran your car off the road by yourself and it was no one's fault, you know, you may have broken your hand and that may mean that, you know, you're entitled to X amount of dollars, but not in your case, because in your case, there's no one that was at fault. You were at fault. On the other hand, if there was another car that was involved and that car caused the accident, cut you off, cut you off, then you have that claim for that broken hand against that insurance company. So what that calculator does is it scours the, 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 the charts of cases uh, through an algorithm, right? So when you go on it, you input a few key pieces of information. Where did the accident happen? Like which city? How old are you? What type of injury? The severity? It takes you 15, 20 seconds max to just input the information. And then it tells you, here's the range of damages you can be looking at for pain and suffering. And that's very important. We talked about that before. Yep. It's only for pain and suffering. It's not for income loss. It's not for out-of-pocket expenses, right? You have these cases. I broke my ankle. I can't work. Well, my ankle injury is worth, let's say, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. But hold on for a second. Now I'm losing twenty-five grand a year because I can't do my job. And that's going to be the case for the next five years. Right. So you can see how that income loss claim dwarfs the pain and suffering okay. claim. And so that's very, very important to understand. This calculator does give you a starting point. It tells you for pain and suffering... Here's what the range is of what you can expect, assuming someone else was at fault for your injury. We'll take a quick break, get to some emails. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the number to get a hold of Savannah as well, 416-216-5910. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show with Talk Radio AM640. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It is 416-216-5910. That'll put you in touch with Savannah anytime you'd like. Leave a message, she'll answer it. It'll go back to you right away. You can go to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. 
as the uh, email address comes to us as well. In fact, we'll get one of those emails right now. Dale from uh, from Ottawa says, my wife was told that she didn't qualify for LTD, long-term disability, despite her doctor's writing to the insurance company that she can't work. Their letter says that they have insufficient documentation to support her disability. We've talked about this all morning. Uh, I don't understand what else they need. What do they mean? Can we do anything to change their mind? Well, this is an interesting uh, email, Dale. First of all, yes, we just discussed this in the context of a case that yep. uh, I had raised at the beginning of the show. Uh, but then, you know, you end your email with, can we do anything to change their minds? And I, my, I'm not in the business of trying to change their minds, Dale. I'm in the business of forcing them to do what they legally have to do, which is honoring the insurance contract, because that's what a policy of insurance is. It's a contract. They got money in order to cover your wife for disability. If, in fact, all of the documentation and all of the medical support that was required was provided to them, right. based on what you're telling me, it was, there is no reason for them to be denying the claim. The fact that they're saying that there's insufficient documentation, that's them saying it. That's not the law saying it. That's not me saying it. That's not you saying it. It's not a doctor saying it. By the way, John, oftentimes I hear frustrations from uh, treatment providers. I speak with physiotherapists, chiropractors, doctors who say, what do these insurance adjusters want from us? We're giving them everything they're asking for. The reality is that what do they want? They want to buy time. Yep. They want to paper their file. They want to see if you're going to drop off the, you know, the, the, the face of the earth of the map or get whatever the expression is. Yeah, get tired. It's a war of attrition for them. And by the way, that happens quite a lot where people say, you know what, that's it. That's it. I raise my arms. I raise my hands. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I got to focus on my health. And of course, what happens? Insurance company ends up keeping all this money that is owed to you and your family. So Dale, he, here's the short answer. What can you do? What can you do is you can contact me directly after the show, email, phone, whatever it is. I'd like to see the medical documents that were provided to the insurance company. I'd like to see the letter they wrote to you, uh, to your wife, about the insufficient documentation. I'll compare the two, and I'll tell you within a minute, less than a minute, whether or not your wife, in fact, has uh, uh, an entitlement, or is she owed this money that the insurance company is withholding from her? It's really not difficult for me as a disability lawyer, who's done so many of these cases, to figure out whether or not the insurance company has uh, a legal right to deny the claim. The reality is that if, in fact, she's unable to work... If you have the medical support saying she cannot work, if that was all provided to the insurance company, they should be paying. So, of course, people are saying, well, how can you fight this insurance company? How can, how can you possibly twist their arm, figuratively speaking? Well, because it's not me. It's the law. That's why insurance companies pay. Of course, th- these are mammoth organizations, corporations, billions of dollars worth of, of, of you know, uh, uh, um, assets and, and legal minds that can work for them. And if they have all of this power, if they have all of this money, how is it that they keep paying out on these claims when we bring them? How, how is it? Well, because the law forces them, because they know that they're better off settling than going all the way oh, to yeah. trial, right, to court, where they're going to get hammered by a judge who's going to tell them, you should have paid this person, you were wrong to, not to pay this person, and now there is a judgment out there floating somewhere in the legal databases. They don't want that, which is why they settle these claims. Long-term disability questions. We talk about this several times on the show, but it always gets asked. So when someone's receiving a long-term disability, uh, what are some of the warning signs that they should watch out for that may tell them, you know, the insurer is getting ready. It's coming around the corner. They're going to be cut off. 
Well, you know, that's a good question because there are quite a few of these signs um, and a lot of people choose to just bury their heads in the in the sand. And and then, of course, you know, they get cut off or they're told you're going to get cut off and, and they come, you know, in panic saying, what can we do? What can yep. we do to avoid this? So here are some of the signs that if you are on disability or you know someone with disability that you should watch for. And if, in fact, this has happened to you or someone you know, you guys should be contacting me immediately. I'll tell you how to either avoid the cutoff or potentially lessen the impact, potentially even avoid, you know, the the cutoff. And it's happened before that we've been able to avoid these cutoffs. So, for example, uh, if the insurance company says that uh, they want you to be seen by their defense doctor, they want to arrange for it. We talked about that. Well, what does that mean? It means that they want a different opinion. The problem I have with these kinds of assessments, they're not asking your doctors to give the opinion. They're asking a doctor who's never treated you before, someone that they have on retainer or someone they're going to be paying for the report to assess you. That's not to say that automatically that doctor is going to be providing an opinion that's not favorable to you. I mean, I've had that before where doctors uh, have, uh, you know, in a way provide opinions that were really bad for the insurance company. But most of the time, unfortunately, the doctors, the insurance companies employ, they will come back with an opinion that is not favorable to the insured. And that gives the adjuster a reason, a rationale, something to hide behind to say, we are going to cut you off. So just be aware, if you are being sent to a defense doctor, it doesn't mean you're going to get cut off, but it's an alarm bell for me. They're circling the wagons, They're circling, right? You got it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, another sign, uh, and we talked about this before, advising that they don't have sufficient medical documentation to support the disability, requesting more. Remember... You're not just going to get uh, a letter in the mail or an email saying we're cutting you off because of insufficient medical documents. They will usually tell you that there is insufficient medical documentation ahead of time. They're going to paper their file, quote unquote, right? They're going to want to make sure that they've given you opportunities to remedy that. They'll tell you, give us more documents, give us more documents. And you're like, but I've given you everything. So obviously there's nothing more I can give you. But the fact that they keep asking you for those documents, it's so that their file is ready for when they have to pull the trigger to cut you off. Uh, Another thing, when they say uh, they want you to try a return to work program and you know you're not ready, again, what are they doing here? They're trying to, first of all, force you to go back. Second of all, they want to hear your response. If you say no, they'll potentially use that against you and say, well, hold on for a second. What do you mean no? You're not trying to mitigate? You're not trying to get back to work? So whenever that kind of thing happens, when they want you to try a return to work program and you're not ready, you have to get your treatment provider, your doctor, physiotherapist, whoever it is, to write a letter back saying, I understand the insurance company is asking you to do a return to work program or a work hardening program or whatever the verbiage is. I don't believe in my clinical opinion that this person is ready to do that yet. You need that. That's your shield. Okay. We come back from break. I'll tell you a few more signs that people should watch for. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to that. More long-term disability questions and more of your emails when we return on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. To get a hold of Savannah, it is 416-216-5910 and email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're talking about ways that the insurance company is starting to get the warning signs that uh, you might be cut off sooner or later, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and these warning signs uh, do come up and they creep up. People oftentimes, unfortunately, choose to just bury their heads in the sand. Uh, but don't. Don't because uh, you can ov- oftentimes avoid the cutoff or at least minimize its impact if you pay attention. Yep. Uh, so a few more signs that uh, your LTD claim is in trouble. 
when the adjuster starts questioning um, your doctor's opinions, when the adjuster receives a report, right, that medical support that they often say is insufficient, and they tell you by phone, via email, they say, you know, I don't know, I don't really buy what your doctor's saying, I don't agree, they start disputing. And, you know, these adjusters oftentimes, most times, they don't have medical degrees, yeah. right? And it's not as though they've gotten their own doctors to review the files. They just themselves unilaterally you know, say, we just disagree with what your doctor's saying. As soon as you know, you get a whiff of that. As soon as the adjuster starts questioning what your own practitioners are saying, uh, your, their recommendations to you, or their opinions about your disability, there is a problem here. Big time. Because it indicates to me that they are now again gearing up for a potential cutoff or denial of the claim. So what do you do in that situation? You have to make sure that your conversations or communications with the adjuster are um, recorded uh, via email. Right, so it's just confirm via email with the adjuster. You know, we spoke about this and this. You express concern with keep my doctors. Emails. Yeah, keep the emails. Tell them, you know, tell me exactly what you would like my doctor to write to you. What questions you have, and I will relate that to you. Okay. Right, just make sure that it looks as though you've done everything in your power to satisfy uh, the information requests from the adjuster. And the last thing that comes to mind is when the uh, when the adjuster starts talking uh, nonchalantly about other occupations that you might be suited for. And they usually start doing that close to the two-year mark. Why? Because close to the two-year mark, right, the test becomes no longer can you do your job. It's can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So when they start talking to you about other jobs you may be ready to do. Have you taught before? Have you ever tried teaching? Have you taught? Have you done this? Have you done that? Yeah. I mean, what do you think they're fishing for? They're not doing this to help you. In my in my experience, they're, they're trying to find this. you a gig. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to persuade you either to actually apply for these other positions, and they're also trying to gauge your willingness to try one of those return to work programs. Again, if you're concerned about that, if that's something that's happened to you, and you don't feel you're ready to do anything at this point, you're still recovering. Get your treatment providers to provide updated reports, updated opinions that at this point, for the foreseeable future. In their clinical opinions, you are unable to engage in, in any other occupation at this point. What if, if that phone call comes and you have that type of conversation with the adjuster, what's your reply? In terms of what? As they say, have you done this? Have you thought about trying this career? Oh, yeah, no, I'm working on it. Like, I th- you I th- don't I want think, to bury the hatch in your own head. Right? No, you don't. You don't. I think, I think that you know, the, the best response, first of all, it's very case specific. It depends on the individual because maybe, maybe you have thought about doing something else. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, if you don't have to be on disability, don't be on disability. We're dealing about, with people that have to be on disability. And I think that if the insurance adjuster starts asking you or quizzing you on other occupations, other positions, and you're not ready for it, if your doctors have said that you're not ready for it, you say that. You say, listen, I would love nothing more than to either get back to my old job or find a different job. But at this point, I can't. I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to heal. Uh, and if you'd like, Mr. Adjuster, Ms. Adjuster, I'll get you some updated opinions from my treatment providers who will tell you that I'm still in the process of recovery. And at this point, I cannot engage in a return to work program or look at any other uh, uh, type nice. of job. 416 216 is the number anytime and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Dan writes in, says, I've been going to a clinic for treatments for my fibromyalgia for the last year and a half, uh, I don't like the new chiropractor they brought me in or they brought in. If I uh, change clinics, will that affect my disability claim? No, it will not, uh, Dan. And this is a big concern for many people. I've met with a very nice lady uh, up in Newmarket a few weeks back who, who was after a car accident. So it wasn't an LTD claim. It was a car accident claim. And she had that same concern. 
Because, you know, people figure, how is that going to look if I've been right. with this clinic for a week, a month, a year, and I, I want to change for whatever reason? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Look, if you are changing 10 clinics over a period of 10 months, what does that tell you? It tells you the person, obviously, the there's something the wrong with the person. Exactly. No different than if somebody applies to my firm for a job and I see that they've had 10 different positions, 10 different jobs and 10 different locations the last 10 years. There's a problem there. Uh, no, nothing wrong. In fact, I would urge you to make sure that you go to a clinic you're comfortable with, to go to practitioners you're comfortable with. How about to get suggested by opinions. one suggested by the insurance broker? Uh, be very, very uh, careful. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Oftentimes, insurance adjusters, uh, again, whether it's a disability claim or a car accident claim, they will recommend certain clinics for you. Yeah. Keep in mind that at the end of the day, the clinical notes and records from the people who are churning you from the, cl- from the clinic are potentially producible to the insurance company. Gotcha. Well, if the insurance company was, re- sorry, if the clinic was recommended to you by the insurance company, is there some kind of a bias or conflict? Is the clinic working with the insurance company somehow? So on the one hand, the clinic has an obligation to treat me. On the other hand, they were recommended to me by the insurance company. Why would the insurance company be yeah. interested in sending me to a where, clinic that yeah, they recommend? They right. And again, listen, is there something going on there? I don't know, but I don't like how it looks. Okay. It stinks. In terms of which clinics to go to, you go to a clinic that you know, you go to a clinic perhaps that your family doctor has recommended right. or your specialist, you go to a clinic that a, a friend of yours perhaps has had good experience with, you go wherever, wherever you go, you go there with the intention of them helping you. Uh, so you got to be very careful. Yeah, I would definitely not go to any clinic that my insurance company tells me I should go to. 416-216-5910 is the number of the email, which we'll get back to uh, right after a short break is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the address. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Insurance and Injury Law Show, Savant's number anytime, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get back to uh, disability questions here and some more emails. Uh, how about this one? What if a person is disabled from working but the doctors can't figure out the cause of the disability? Uh, does that disqualify them from getting LTD? No, no. I have never seen an insurance policy where the policy specifically says that we have to know the cause of the disability. Listen, maybe they exist, but I haven't come across those policies. The The criteria for getting LTD is, are you totally disabled? Are you essentially unable to do uh, the essential parts of your job? Right. And I've had cases, we talked to them about them before, cases have settled for hundreds of thousands of dollars where the cause, they didn't know what the cause was. And, you know, I especially um, uh, see those kinds of cases happen with cognitive impairments, uh, one case comes to mind, a uh, very, very nice lady um, fr- from, the, from the, the East End. And, uh, you know, she was treated, at, I, th- I believe it was Sunnybrook, uh, at, at, at the brain injury clinic. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. They knew that she had impairments because the tests were showing the impairments, but they couldn't figure out the cause. Right. She went through MRIs, CT scans, whatever the imaging, the top imaging was, and other tests I've never even heard of. And they couldn't figure out what it was. And I'm talking about... You know, the people who would give the opinions that didn't know, didn't know what the issue was, these are people at the top of the field, okay? Uh, and, and, and that's it. But the insurance company, and by the, incidentally, that's the reason the insurance company cut her off. They said, we don't know what the cause is, so therefore you're not disabled. Come on. Does that make sense to you? No. We don't know what the cause is, therefore you're not disabled? It's idiotic. It's, 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 it, the logic, there's no logic there. And it's infuriating because she and her mother was was literally in a very, very vulnerable position financially, emotionally. They were drained. The mother heard me on the radio and I went and I saw them, both of them. And, and again, you know, we resolved the case uh, fairly quickly, actually. 
and the insurance company end up paying a lot of money. A lot of money because you don't have to prove what the cause is so long as you can prove that you have a disability, that it disables you from doing your own occupation, you have a case. We'll get to one email here before we uh, wrap up for the day. Lee writes in from Markham at uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. He says, my son has been suffering from depression. Quite a few years, he has a psychologist and he's on meds. He has been on long-term disability for almost two years. And his insurance company said that he will stop getting payments uh, in October, so soon. He told me that he doesn't have the strength to deal with them, but I told him to contact you. He wanted to know if you charge for a consultation. God, no. Simple question. Yeah, simple question. No, Lee, we don't. We don't, we don't, we don't. It, It costs you nothing. And, you know, if you don't believe me, then just go to mydisabilityquestions.com and ask your question there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I speak to people every day. The lawyers in my office speak to, lawyer, to, to individuals every day. It, it costs you absolutely nothing. And even, even if I tell you you have a case and you decide to hire me, it's going to cost you nothing to actually hire me. You're not paying anything. We operate on what's called a contingency, a percentage of our recovery. Very, very important to understand. What does that mean? It means that if we don't recover for you, we don't get paid. Nothing. Exactly. So you're not on the hook for any expenses. So if you think about it, why would I ever tell you you have a case or your son has a case uh, if I don't think I can recover, right? makes no sense because we are tied at the hip in terms of the result, right? Uh, So no, it does not cost anything to talk to us uh, about uh, an injury claim, a disability claim. uh, And frankly, oftentimes I communicate with people, even when I know, I know that they don't need me at that point, I'll just tell them what they need to do. And I'll tell them, you know what, in the future, if you do need me or know someone that needs my help, just let them know. Just just pass on my information. So we're we're very big on that. Okay, just disseminating the information. Let me squeeze this in. Last uh, two minutes we got here for the hour. Uh, Alex says, I was involved in a car crash last winter and been trying to deal with my insurance company. I injured my back on a disc bulge and have been issues, uh, had issues with it ever since that time. I have a desk job and I've been working there in the same job for over 10 years. But recently I've had to take a lot of time off. My employer gave me several warnings and I'm afraid I'll get fired. Uh, it wasn't at fault for the accident. Didn't ask for all this. Any advice? Yes, call me, call me. You're dealing with both employment and uh, injury type issues. We have lawyers that deal with both. Very, very important because on the one hand, we can get the employer off your back. We can make sure that they accommodate whatever you need to be, whatever accommodations you need. And in terms of the injury, you you have a claim, obviously, with your own insurance company. You're saying you've had a difficult time dealing with them. A a disc bulge in the back, that's diagnosable. You must have had some kind of an MRI or something that would have showed the, the actual bulge. That's that's you know he can be in a situation, John, where he's let go and potentially have a wrongful dismissal claim against the employer. Not to mention a human rights uh, uh, case, uh, but also have uh, a, a very strong case against whoever caused the ex- accident. So very important not to wait. I mean, you're talking about last winter. You should have contacted us a day after the accident, so right. we can tell you what needs to be done. Uh, no, no issues, Alex. We can help you on all fronts. Good for another week, my friend. Until next time, a couple of things you should remind uh, remind you about. The phone number, 416-216-5910. And the email is always help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And your favorite tool? Uh, my uh, MyDisabilityQuestions.com, uh, as well as InjuryCalculator.ca. You want to know that? Until next time, check it out. Free time. No consultation, no nothing. If you want to click on the bottom, you can get a whole Savannah after going through that program. It takes about 30 seconds. It's really, really cool. Until next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640.